Has your company just gone public, giving you a sudden influx of wealth? Have you been saving for the future and want to be sure you're managing wisely? Congratulations, and welcome to Wealth Unlocked with Tom Selbo of Landmark Wealth Management Group. Tom offers guidance to help you make the big decisions surrounding your finances, avoid costly mistakes, and build a strong financial foundation for your future. Let's get started. You earned it. You planned and invested it. It grew. And now it's time to use those retirement dollars. But just like the accumulation phase, the distribution phase of your assets needs a plan. I'm Patrice Sikora with your host, Tom Selbo. And Tom, this is the part that should be fun, shouldn't it? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, it should be. And and honestly, for me as, as a wealth advisor, this is one of the most fun topics to tackle. Uh, you you kind of get to this this stage of life where you've accumulated and and now you get to enter as a different type of participant in the economy and and you get to actually give yourself a paycheck and it's it's really fun it's really exciting but there are uh, it's so complex these days and um, it's just very important to have that plan in place. And where, and where do you start? Where do you start with the plan? So there, what I'll what I'll start with is I, if I if I kind of reel us back to the beginning, and then then I'll kind of go through on this episode. Um, I'll, I'll go through my thought process as a mm -hmm. planner and kind of where you want to start, what things you want to think about. But just as a, a recap, I mean, uh, last episode we talked about accumulating assets, and and we I frame it like this: we we all kind of start our uh, most of us anyways, we start our economic lives and our, our participation in the economy by getting a job. And you that's just your entry point as a market participant. I, I think back to when I was a kid, and I don't know when this started, but my, my parents at some point started giving me an allowance every week. Mm -hmm. and, and I had chores to do for it. I, I mean, looking back, I, I probably was awfully inconsistent with how I did that. But <laughs> my, my parents, very generous people. And and I always got my allowance every Saturday. <laughs> and you, you kind of have that that starting phase. And um, I, I don't know how old I was, but it was probably when I was 13, 14 years old. You, you start growing out of your allowance and you start having desires for things that are, yes. are more expensive. <laughs> yes. And as a... As a growing teenager, what, what I was just heavily into, um, and still am today, but back then I, I was just into music and I was a, I'm a guitar player and my parents kind of got me my, my introductory guitar. And, and after I found out, okay, this is something I'm into. I, I have a talent for it. I'm uh, in a band. We play together. Um, I, I wanted a new guitar and you, and I remember 13, 14, whatever that age was. And I I don't know if it's shame or just how we grow up in our culture, but I I would not ask my parents for it. I just knew that that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so so you start looking and saying, okay, well I, I got to earn an income and got to have got to figure out a way to do this. So I I got my first summer job at a um, a camp. I was a camp counselor for little kids and earned my my money through the summer. And um, I remember I was so excited. I this guitar is a, a 
Fender Stratocaster. Oh, nice. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I, and it was like this beautiful kind of like golden sunburst color and mm-hmm. had this like pearly pick guard. So like when lights hit it, it was super sparkly. And looking back, my, my tastes have changed. It, it's, too, <laughs> uh, it's too flashy for me, for me today, <laughs> but it was this beautiful piece of artwork. And I, I would go to the guitar store and I would like, just look at it and you just drool. And okay, I, I got to get that guitar. And I don't even remember what it costs, but it was back in the day, it was probably four or $500. Yeah, and and yeah. back then that was, it, it was a lot of money. And I remember I was so excited. I, I saved my money through the summer and I, I brought my backpack in. My mom brought me to the store, the guitar store, I think. And I had my backpack and I, I had like $500 in cash. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so you're just nervous and I go and I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy this guitar. And I did. And, and anyways, so th- that's just, well, that's an insight to 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 my part my um, yes. intro participation in the US economy. <laughs> and so yeah, we, we all start there in some way, shape, or form. And and then then you get educated and and as we went into in our last episode, you you get a job and you accumulate through your career and and then the, the, you buy for, more guitars and you buy more guitars and you buy more guitars. Exactly. And then, then it's just, a, it, then you somehow figure out along the way, okay, I need to get off the hamster wheel and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to work forever. And that brings us to where we are today. And you, you, we just say, okay, we've, we've accumulated and we all accumulate differently. And so every retirement distribution plan is different. But today I just want to go through fundamentals and a, a starting place for the average person, just knowing that every scenario will be different. And we work with clients in, in all scenarios to, to, to figure out what would be optimum for them, for them. But so if we, we kind of reel ourselves forward then and say, okay, where, where do we start? If you're, whether you're 30 years old or 70 years old, and you're looking to figure out, okay, I've accumulated some assets and I want to start paying myself an income versus, uh, relying on on going to work, how do how do we go about it? And the the first step I always want to start with is just to take take an accounting of what your expenses are, and by doing that, it just gives us a a target to aim for, and it gives us a framework to to design the income plan around. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So when looking at your expenses, what I to like to categorize expenses in, into is, is three areas. So we all have fixed expenses. Those are things that, uh, like a mortgage, a fixed mortgage that won't change, or things like if you've paid off your house here in California, we have property taxes, mm-hmm. but we uh, those go up most years, but there it's a set amount. So you, you can calculate that. And I, I kind of count things like that as just fixed expenses. And the next one on top of that are are kind of fixed as well. I call them necessary, but I call it just a fixed slash variable expense. And that's things that you have to buy just for your sustenance, like food, electricity, gas, utilities, things like that. But month to month, it can vary. So winter months, you might spend more on energy and things like that. So you, there are things you have to buy, but it varies a little bit. But you can also, uh, at least on a yearly basis, probably estimate 
pretty close what it's going to be, even though it fluctuates month to month. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's called budgeting, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So you've got these fixed expenses stay relatively stable. Then you've got fixed variable expenses, things that sort of fluctuate, you got a budget for, Mm -hmm. but you need to buy them. And then we have just full variable or discretionary expenses. Those are just things like, like travel, um, uh, whatever your hobbies are, uh, like things buying you gu- want to do. Yeah, uh, buying guitars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And those are things that, if push came to shove, you could stop those expenses. They're unnecessary just to, for survival. They, uh, we might deem some of the things very necessary for our sanity <laughs> <laughs> and and our quality of life but they are they are truly variable you you get to choose to make those uh, those expenses and those purchases so it's one it's taking an accounting of those expenses and categorizing them roughly um, some people like to get very granular with that others just ballpark some numbers but figuring out okay what's fixed what's discretionary and and having that accounting so that's step 1 Step two that I like to look at are what current or future guaranteed sources of income do you have available to you? And what those things broadly are um, for most people are it would be social security, a pension, if you've paid into one mm-hmm. while you were working, or through any workplaces, if you had any defined benefit kind of annuity contracts that would be turned on. And those three things are guaranteed income sources that most people, not all, but most of us will have access to one or a variety of those things uh, as we enter our our later retirement years. And uh, so, so that's step two. You, you kind of first expenses. Two, let's look at what income sources you have available now or in the future, mm-hmm. and just get a, a rough idea there. And then the the third step in just the accounting phase of getting started on a distribution plan is looking at what other assets do you have available for use? So those are things like uh, 401ks, 403bs, any savings accounts. Those are all savings vehicles you may have added to through your working years, other investments like uh, outside of retirement plans, like stocks or bonds. A lot of people invest in real estate, mm-hmm. either through their primary residence and or maybe have a rental or vacation property. And and then we have a variety of other assets that we have, like uh, things like cars, like guitars, like uh, <laughs> things like that, that generally we wouldn't think of as things we're going to sell to fund retirement income, but they, nonetheless, they are assets that are there of things we own that have value. So uh, are you, we, what I've kind of gone through so far is, is really just in the first steps and I just call them the accounting steps. We just right, want to take right. inventory. So uh, what are the expenses? What sources of guaranteed income do you have and what other assets are available for use? Does that make sense, Patrice? Absolutely. Totally. Uh, You're putting all your ducks in a row here. What are you spending? What income do you have? What assets do you have? Exactly. And at this point, we're we're just in that accounting phase. These are just the 
the starting um, building blocks to to get where we want to go. And then once we hit that that point where we've accounted for things, then it gets into the planning and strategy phase. And that's where the the distribution strategy that I work with my clients on becomes so critical because we need to figure out um, how to line up these guaranteed income sources, mm-hmm. how to use these assets and turn them into levelized income that will cover whatever expenses you have. So from there, there there's so many ways we can we can approach this. And again, I'll, I'll just give the broad framework. And what I start with from a strategy standpoint when I'm working with a client is I want to figure out what level of investment risk are you comfortable with? Right. And that's something we all, it's a good thing to uh, for all of us to be aware of. Um, how comfortable am I with fluctuation in asset values? How much do I value guaranteed income versus uh, maybe having more liquidity and assets geared towards growth? And that's there's this the spectrum that we all fall on. You, you kind of on uh, on one end of the spectrum, you can have uh, everything guaranteed, where you just say, "Okay, I just want a guaranteed paycheck every month. Mm-hmm. That's gonna go up with inflation. It's never gonna change. I don't have to think about the stock market. It's just gonna be there every month." Um, the, the other end of the spectrum is, I want nothing guaranteed, and I want all of my assets geared towards the best chance for growth. And to do that, we have to take risk by making investments and you, your income might have to fluctuate because of ups and downs in the economy. So most of us fall somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. Tom, do you find that, that your clients change the, the, risk of, the level of risk they're comfortable with from the time they're working to the time they start thinking about retirement? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, and uh, a very typical risk lifestyle for an individual would be that, well, while you're working, you're more comfortable with with some fluctuation in value and taking more risk because you're not using your savings for income. You have a job, you're hopefully getting a steady paycheck. And in that scenario, most people are are quite comfortable taking a little bit of risk because, uh, yeah, I'll deal with some fluctuation on assets that um, are just there for growth. And so what what happens though is once we transition into this distribution phase, now people tend to get a, a little bit less comfortable with large fluctuations right. in value and they want some more stability. Yeah. And and that's very typical. And what's even more typical is oftentimes in, in the early stages of retirement, typically through your 60s, um, and early 70s, most people might still be comfortable with with some level of risk. And that's just as they're phasing out of work, uh, they might still have part-time jobs and they're they're comfortable with the fluctuations they've seen. But what I often see is once people have been out of the workforce for a while, they start to really realize, okay, what I have is what I have. Right. And I'm not going to be adding to that anymore by saving, they tend to get more conservative with their investments, especially when markets get volatile and 
um, and they've been in that retirement phase for a while. So yes, the risk of clients, the risk profile can uh, often will change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, total sense, total sense. Exactly. So, so it's one. It's taking an accounting of of what level of risk are you comfortable with, and that's something that I and and my team can help our clients gauge uh, just by asking a variety of questions and and getting a feel for what level of fluctuation and value you're comfortable with. So, so that that's the first step for strategy because that gives us a framework of what direction we're going to go down, whether it's more growth oriented, more guarantee oriented, but. In any case, what I like to do for a lot of clients is at least start the retirement income conversation by matching up our guaranteed income sources with our fixed expenses. So it's not that we always would implement this, but it's um, it's a very easily understandable scenario to say, wouldn't it be great if I knew my expenses were, I'll just make this up, $5,000 a month, mm-hmm. and I knew that I had $5,000 a month coming in from guaranteed income sources. And that's a, a level of comfort and security that a lot of clients resonate with. And it's a great starting point for a conversation. And what typically happens in that conversation is we we look at the assets and income sources we've accounted for. We look at expenses. And for example, if they have $5,000 a month they need to live to pay those uh, expenses that have to be paid, mm-hmm. um, Social Security will probably cover a portion of that. Call it half, $2,500. And then we have this gap. Okay, we have $2,500 more per month we need to line up to cover those. And we can look and that that's where we we have, we start that conversation and you'd say well we could uh, we could go out and buy an annuity that would pay uh, you and your spouse if you're married that 2500 a month cost of living adjusted for the rest of your life and then great we're we're done with that portion we've matched up guaranteed income sources to fixed expenses and then you just have okay our the rest of our investments we'll use for discretionary spending. That's one way you can go. And and then the other way is if people are more comfortable with more risk, you say, well, let's maybe not guarantee all of it, but let's take uh, take some risk to get better growth and and cover that gapage through market returns. Mm-hmm. So so it's a, a starting point for a conversation. It's not the the be all end all of that's the way you go, but it's a starting point that resonates with a lot of people. Does does that is that clear? Yes, and it's easy to make sense of. You know what you have coming in. You know what you have going out. Exactly, and you just—it's a—it's a level of comfort right. that a lot of retirees or people that are just financially independent can get behind and say, "Okay, I—I uh, I know markets go up and down. Sometimes when they go down, it, it's quite nerve-wracking, and I just—I don't want to deal with that necessarily. I just want to know that I'm going to be okay, no matter what." Right. And. Um, and it's a great starting point. So that, that's that's one one strategy and a, a place a conversation starter that that I'll often um, figure out uh, just how to cover those expenses. And then beyond that, so you, we figure out we're trying to figure out how to fill in that gap between your need and your guaranteed income sources. And uh, again, one way of filling that gap is with with annuities. Another way 
um, that we use a lot is something that's called a, a bucket strategy. And I won't go into all the intricacies of it, but fundamentally what the bucket strategy is, is it takes your investments that you have and it segments them into different accounts. So you might have one account that's very conservative, one that is uh, maybe a medium risk and another that is more high risk and more stock market correlated, invested in stocks. So you have these three buckets, three accounts. Um, It's a very simplistic way to, to describe it. And what we do is we take that very, very safe bucket and that's the bucket we pull income from. So in the example I I outlined before, we need to cover $2,500 a month. So that ends up being $30,000 a year that we need to draw out of our investments to to cover our need. And I like to have anywhere between two to four years of portfolio withdrawals in that safe bucket. So in that scenario, you might have sixty dollars to $120,000 in a very safe bucket invested in uh, things like cash, short bonds, um, things that are going to not fluctuate much, no matter what's going on in the economy, you'll get some level of return. But if stocks are down 30%, that safe bucket is going to be relatively stable. uh, stable. Exactly. So you have that bucket and that's the bucket where the the spigot is turned on and we're just going to draw that money out each month to cover your need. And where the strategy comes in, and this is where it's just crucial to to be on top of this and and work with a a professional like myself, like us at Landmark to stay on top of this is uh, on a year over year basis, you want to look at your buckets and you want to see how each are doing. And if, for example, the stock market is doing great and your aggressive bucket is outperforming and doing very, very well, in that year, we might go in and say, okay, let's take some of that profit and we're going to take that, we're going to sell some of that, and we're going to shift it into bucket one, into that safe, safe bucket. And what we've fundamentally done then is we've bought ourselves another year or two of income for down the road. Mm-hmm. And and we, we do that. And then, and conversely, if uh, right now at the time of this recording, um, mid 2022, the markets are in a very challenging time from a stock perspective. So what we're doing with our clients is we're we're saying let's we don't want to liquidate our stocks right now. We want to we want to make sure we're holding the right stocks, but we don't want to liquidate, and we're just going to let those ride. We're going to give them time to recover, and in that scenario, we're just going back to that bucket one, which has been very stable. We're continuing to draw the income down and the account balance will slowly be draining, but that's by design. And it it allows us, uh, it buys us time for the stock market to recover. So that, that's the the basic strategy. And there's there's nuances to it that we we deal with year over year. But now do, does that make sense, Patrice? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you want to have a refillable bucket. Let's put it that way. Um, but you want to fill it from something that that you're not worried about. That it has it's a, maybe it's it's riskier, but it's building up. It's building up. You drain it into the bucket that you need that you are pulling down from. Exactly, and and we we just we monitor that, and it's a 
Um, that's just been a proven strategy that if we, you need to stay on top of it. We need to be active in how we're monitoring it. But if we do that, it it gives us the best chance to have that level paycheck where we can not worry so much about what's going on in the market, but we need to be on top of it so that we can strategize year over year. And you still have buckets that are growing. It, absolutely. And we need that. We need to keep up with inflation. That's part of, of all retirement income plans. So that's kind of the the framework for strategy where you, you we figure out what risk we're, we're comfortable with. We want to have that conversation of how much guaranteed income matches up with guaranteed or fixed expenses and go from there. And then it's it's designing that bucket strategy in uh, which will be different for everybody based on your scenario. And what I'll I'll kind of just wrap up with uh, from an analogy standpoint when talking about retirement income planning is I'll use the analogy of of my commute to work every day. Uh, even through the pandemic, I've in the Bay Area here, I, I commute um, weekly, uh, daily to the office, and we still still deal with Bay Area traffic here. <laughs> and and what I I kind of have is well, where I am in the busy city, there's an infinite number of ways to get to my office, but I sort of have three main routes that I would use from my house to get to the office. And depending on if I check my my Google traffic app or not and see where traffic is or isn't, that'll depend on the route I take to work that morning. And it'll, it'll usually be option A, B, or C. Mm-hmm. I usually take option A. It's like where I just get onto the freeway and that takes me there the quickest way. But if there's an accident, I will go with option B or C. And with retirement income planning, it's just so important to work with an advisor to know what those different scenarios could be and know that, okay, if the markets go this way, which statistically they do, we're going to be taking our income via option A. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the the most efficient route. This is the way we're going to go by default. But if there are hiccups in the economy along the way, if we don't get the kinds of returns we are expecting, we need to have backups and alternate alternate routes so that we can still get to our destination. We can still have a successful retirement income plan, but we have route B and C already figured out so that we're not just trying to figure it out on the fly and taking the back roads because there's an accident and making costly mistakes along the way. So once you've set up a plan, it's important to just work with your planner to say, okay, here's the the route we're going, but here are the alternate routes. And we know that ahead of time so that when the markets don't behave how we would hope they do, we have a good strategy and plan to fall back on so that we don't make rash and mm-hmm. uh, bad decisions along the way. So with that, I, I just, I, this episode, I just wanted to give all of you an insight into how I approach retirement income planning um, and retirement distribution planning uh, as a starting point, just knowing that all of your situations are different and we work with uh, every situation to optimize it uh, for you and your family. So with that, I just, I thank you all for listening. 
Um, if you need to get in contact with me or my team, we'd be happy to help you with your retirement income plan, uh, whether you're distributing assets now or getting ready to do that in the future. You can find me at landmarkwealth.com or you can email me at tomselbo at landmarkwealth.com. Subscribe and follow this podcast to know when the latest show is ready for you too, listener, and share with friends and family. I'm Patrice Sikora, and thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Unlocked podcast with Tom Selbo. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. And follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook at Landmark Wealth for all podcast updates. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Landmark Wealth Management Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.